Good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you this morning. Good to be back with you. Um, and uh, so thankful for God's blessing and His mercy in our lives. If you have your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you do, turn with me, if you would, to the New Testament book of 1 Timothy chapter 2. Now, probably over the last uh, period of, of a, a few weeks, you've probably heard uh, many things from this passage of Scripture. And uh, as I thought about today's message, with yesterday having been the National Day of Prayer, uh, I thought I, I w- wanted to share with you uh, a message about prayer and the idea that, yes, there is a National Day of Prayer. And we dedicated a day to praying, but that's not where it stops. That's just the beginning. And that we need to continue in prayer every single day. We need to continue in prayer all of the time. And and not let there just be a, a one-time focus or an occasional focus, but, but that prayer needs to be a consistent part of our life. And um, and so I wanted to share with you some thoughts in regards to that today. I was reading an illustration uh, from Hudson Taylor. He was traveling on a Chinese junk from Shanghai to Ningpo. And in his travel, he had been witnessing to a man called Peter, who was resisting the message of the gospel, but was under deep conviction of what was being shared uh, by Mr. Taylor. And so in the course of the events of this trip, of the witnessing, of the interaction that was taking place, Peter fell overboard. As he fell overboard, uh, Taylor uh, panicked, and he saw that no one made any effort to save the man. Instinctively, he ran, sprang, took the mass, he, he pulled down the sail, He jumped overboard in hopes of trying to find this newfound friend that he had been witnessing to. There was a fishing boat that was nearby. And so he began to implore the fishing boat that they would help him in his efforts to rescue Peter, who obviously was drowning. But they wouldn't stop fishing. They just kept right on fishing and, and they wouldn't take time to look for this drowning man. Unless, they said, Taylor would agree to pay them for their effort. And not only did they ask that he pay for their effort, but there was this negotiation that took place. And they were trying to get the most money that they could out of Taylor. And in the end of all of this, they finally agreed to help. And, and it was a sizable sum of money that he was going to pay. And so as they began to help, they let their dragnets down and they did find Peter. But it was too late. He had already drowned and he was dead. They had been too busy fishing to worry about a drowning man. I thought about that story. What, what a tragic story. That is. I thought about how hard-hearted that group of men must have been not to care at all about a drowning man. To be too preoccupied with what they were doing and they were caught up in and they were involved in to care about someone else's life. And then as I thought about that, 
I thought about my own self. I thought about where am I in regards to that? How many times do I get too busy with what I'm doing, too busy trying to accomplish this or accomplish that, or, or too busy trying to do this or that, that I don't take time to recognize that there are people all around me who are drowning, not literally, but they're drowning in their sin, and they're dying and leaving this world without salvation. How often do we do that as Christians? How often do we do that as a church? How often do we go about our, our busy activities and our schedules, never really giving attention to the idea that there are people who are dying all around us who do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so we ask the question, well, what can I do? I'm just one person. I don't have a lot of skills or abilities or talents. There's not, you know, I'm not gifted as a speaker and there are millions upon millions of people who do not know Jesus. What can I do as one person? And what I would share with you today is the, the most important thing that we can do is that we can pray. And I know, you go, well, I was thinking something a little bit more grand. I was thinking something a little bit more active. Something, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, I, I want to do it, but just prayer. But the fact of the matter is, is we look into God's Word. God's Word over and over and over again tells us, teaches us, instructs us the power of prayer. And that prayer really can change things in our lives and in the lives of others. And so as we look into this passage today, and I begin to see as Paul begins to teach, I want us to consider the power of prayer, personal prayer in our lives, in regards to the lost that are around us, in regards to God's direction for our life. Now, as Paul is writing to Timothy, if you look in chapter 3 and verse 15, he says this, In case I am delayed in coming to you, I am writing to you so that you can know how one ought to conduct himself in the house of the Lord. So he's writing and he's saying, if I'm delayed in coming to you, I'm giving you some instruction about how Christians ought to behave about how they ought to conduct themselves and the things that they ought to do as believers in the family of God. And so as he's writing this, I think it's very interesting if we go back to chapter 2 and we begin in the very first verse of chapter 2 where I said we were going to start this morning to notice what Paul writes to Timothy. Let me put that pen back down. And look at what he says. He says, first of all, you hear that? So, so here's the thing. In 3.15, he says, I'm writing so that you can know how you ought to conduct yourself. And in that writing, he says the first thing, first of all, what I want you to know about is about prayer. The first thing as a church or as a believer or part of the family of God, the first thing, first of all, he says, I want to talk to you about your prayer life. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties... And prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. 
So he says, let me talk to you about how one ought to conduct themselves as a part of the church. And the first and most important thing that I want to talk to you about is prayer life. I want to talk to you about what it means for us as a part of the family of God to pray, to communicate to the Heavenly Father about the things that are going on in our lives and around us in our lives. And so he says, first of all, notice what he says, I urge you. That word is, is a, a, a strong direction. That word is not just, well, it's, it's a good, I, I suggest that you do this. It, it's not a, well, it'd be a good idea if you did this. This urging is an urgent, this is a necessity. It's not a nicety, it's a necessity. It's something that we have to do as believers in the family of God. If you're going to be a part of the church, if you're going to be a part of the family of God and the kingdom of God, He says, then I urge you, first of all, the very first most important thing you can do is to be a prayer warrior. To be committed to prayer in your life. He puts prayer as the first priority. The, the thing of greatest importance. But he's not just talking about the need of prayer in general. He's talking about the need for prayer as it relates to the salvation of lost. And he repeats some words and ideas in this passage, in 1 through 8, that show that he is what he is driving at. Listen to it again as we read through that. First of all, then, I urge you that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved. Do you see how he turns the conversation? The instruction that he's giving is about our prayer life, and then he immediately turns and says, who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God, and one mediator also between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony born at the proper time. So see where he's taking this. It's about salvation. It's about the saving grace that was offered through Christ Jesus. And for this, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling you the truth. I'm not lying as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. Therefore... I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. So he immediately turns this idea of prayer life to a relationship to salvation. That our prayers are offered to a God who His desire is for all men to be saved. And then he goes through the process of what it means that God desires to save. His desire is so great that He sent His Son to die in our place to pay the penalty for our sin. And that He is the only means by which we can be saved. And he continues that idea and that conversation. And so what we have to see about prayer life is that prayer life is immediately and necessarily tied to salvation. It's not just about praying about things that we need in our life. It's not just about asking God to help us with something that we're struggling with or a problem that we have or something that's going on. 
It's really about praying to God in regards to salvation. First, our salvation, and then the salvation of others. And so as he introduces this idea of prayer, he says, how should we behave in the church? Well, first of all, we need to be a people of prayer. And we need to be praying about salvation. The salvation in our own life and the salvation of others as well. Now, I also want you to note the inclusiveness of this prayer. He says that he wants us to pray for all men everywhere. You understand that? He didn't, he didn't break it down and say, well, pray for people who are part of the church, but not those who aren't. Pray for those who are believers, but don't pray for those who aren't. Pray for those who are law-abiding citizens and do what they should, but don't pray for those who are criminals. Don't pray, pray, pray for those who disobey the law or, or who act in, in, a, in a, an illegal way. He, he didn't break that down. He didn't say, pray for people of this color of skin, but not that color of skin. I want you to pray for all men everywhere. He didn't put any limitations. He didn't put any restrictions. He didn't say there are any exclusions to who we pray for. He said, I want you praying for everyone everywhere. I don't want you to leave anyone out of your prayer life. Now, sometimes we struggle with that. We don't have a problem praying for people that go to church with us. We don't have a problem praying for those that are like-minded or those who are believers or those that are, are similar to us or those that behave in a certain and particular way that's acceptable to us. But when it comes to someone who is different than us, someone who behaves differently or looks differently or acts differently or thinks differently, sometimes we struggle with praying for those people. Unless it's a prayer of God, you know, strike them down. Or, you know, unless it's a prayer of, boy, they're such a reprobate. God, could you fix them? But he says, listen, I want you to pray for all people everywhere. I want you to pray for all men in every place. And so our prayer life needs to be inclusive. Our prayer life does not need to be segregated into different areas or compartments. He says we need to be concerned about all people And everyone's salvation. Everyone who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so as he begins to instruct us in this, he tells us that that these things are, are in relationship to our prayer life, our concern for others, and and praying for other people. It is in relationship to God's plan. This is God's design. Look back at the text with me again and, and see what he says about this as we read through, through this. He says, first, you know, I want you to pray for treaties and prayers, petitions, thanksgiving, pray on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and, and, and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. He says, this is God's plan. This is God's design. This is good and acceptable in His sight. This is how God wants things to be. And so when He talks about our prayer life, when He talks about us praying on behalf of all men in all places, He says, this is an acceptable thing in the eyes of God. God, this is His plan. This is what He has designed for us to do. It is necessary 
in regards to God's plan for us as believers and God's plan for the church that we be a people involved in prayer, committed to prayer, faithful to prayer for all men everywhere according to His plan. Now, I also want you to note that there are different kinds of prayers for different kinds of needs. He listed here specifically four. And so I want you to note those four real quickly. And, and I want us to, to just re, re, uh, you know, speak about each of those for just a moment. He says, I want first I urge that there are entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving. Four things. We want to talk about entreaties. These are prayers that are stemming from a sense of need. A sense of our lack and God's sufficiency and provision. Our inability and God's ability. And and so he says, I want there to be entreaties. I want you to petition God in regards to those things that are lacking in your life and those things that He can provide for you that He has the ability to provide. And so he talks about entreaties. Then he uses the word prayers. It's a general term for prayer to God. Our communicator, our commitment to our communication to Him in our life. And so so he talks about just the general idea of prayer. And then he goes on and he says beyond that prayer, he says, I want there to be petitions. Petitions means to converse freely uh, in, in someone else's behalf. And so I am petitioning you on behalf of someone else. And, and here's where we see the prayers for all men. Is that, that I am offering petitions and I am offering those on behalf of others. I am lifting up their needs. I am lifting up what is going on in their life and asking you to, to help them and to be a part of that in their life. Maybe that's a prayer for salvation. That we know people who are lost and they need to come to know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. Those are petitions that we are praying on behalf of others that they come to know Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. God, use me to, to help that happen. And if not me, provide someone who, who can help that to happen. But we're praying for the salvation of others. We're petitioning on their behalf. And then finally, he says thanksgiving. Now, thanksgiving covers a lot of things, but specifically, he wants us to be thankful for the grace that we've received and thankful that there is grace for others to receive. Thankful for the answer to prayers in our life. Thankful for the blessings that come in our life. And so he says, I want you to, to use these four types of prayers. And we look into God's Word, there are other types of prayers, but we're just going to focus on those four today for the sake of time. But he says, here are four areas of prayer, and each of these are for different needs. Or each of these are are for different things that are going on. And so, he says, be aware that when we pray, that there are different types of prayers for different things that are needed around us and in our life. And we need to pray accordingly. We need to pray in relationship to those things. Not only are there different kinds of of prayers for different things, but he also says that there are different kinds of people that we pray for. And so he begins to list those people. Now, notice 
that first he says all men everywhere, that there's no restriction, but then he lists some specific people we pray for. For kings and all who are in authority. Now notice he says there's a reason for this. In order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Now here's what I want you to understand about that statement. We do not pray for kings, leaders, and those who are in authority in order for us to have a quiet and tranquil life. That's not the purpose. We pray for them that God can work through them. And as He works through them, that it will result in a society that is led by this, these kings or leaders and those who are in authority. And, it's, and that they lead our society in such a way that it's a quiet and tranquil society. In order that, notice what he says, in all godliness and dignity, <clears throat> that is so that we might live an exemplary life for others to see Christ living in us so that they might... What? Come to the salvation that we know. Come to understand that salvation. Through what? Our example. Through how we live. And so in relationship to that, what he's saying is that the, the more that we can live in a godly and, and, and dignified way, the greater example we become for others that they can come to know Christ through that example. So guess what? He says, you don't have to be an astounding speaker. You don't have to be an incredible teacher. You don't have to be an amazing singer or musician with gifts in order to influence other people's lives. He said, here's really what I want you to do. Live your life with godliness and dignity. And if you'll live it that way, as you pray to Him and seek, remember, different kinds of prayers for different needs, and you pray for different kinds of people in different situations, He says, then you live with godliness and dignity, and He says, you become an example that people can see Christ living in you. And through that, they can be drawn to the blood of Jesus Christ and His forgiveness. So my prayer life prepares me to be an example for others in relationship to salvation that comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. That's why prayer is so important. That's why prayer is so powerful. That's why prayer is so impactful. And he says we need to pray for these different kinds of people. And he didn't say, and I think it's important that we note, that when he wrote these words, that he would be talking about praying for Nero. Nero persecuted Christians. Nero, we understand from history, would take pitch or tar and roll people's bodies in that or cover it with it and tie them to a stake and burn them at the stake for lights in his gardens for him to ride through and to go through at night. If you were a Christian, that's what he thought of you. And yet, Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he says, pray for kings. In other words, what he's really saying is, pray for Nero. How do you say that? This guy brutally attacks Christians. This guy brutally murders Christians. This guy is is diabolically opposed to everything that we stand for. And you want me to pray for him? That's what Paul says. Paul says, pray for kings. And those who are in authority. And that means that he was praying for Nero. And he was praying for his court. And his leaders who were a party to such 
horrible destructive things and such such turmoil in their society, causing division among peoples. If you were of of Nero's people and and they were Christians, then he put them diabolically opposed to one another. And he promoted that as a king and as a leader and an authority. And so we have to understand when he calls us to pray for all men everywhere, he calls us to pray for our enemies. He calls us to pray for those who are exactly opposed to where we stand in regards to our belief and our faith and our trust in God. And that's not always easy, but here's the point. That's the only way we're ever going to make a difference. That's the only way that we're ever going to see change. That's the only way that that anyone is ever going to be moved in the right direction toward understanding the power of God and the presence of God and the salvation that He offers is that if we pray for them and through that prayer and through the example of the life that we live, that they are somehow influenced and impacted for that which is good and right and holy and righteous in the kingdom of God. And so He calls us to be instruments to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to the lost world. But He says, first of all, it begins with your prayer life. It begins with your relationship with Him and your communication to Him and your prayers for others. All men everywhere no restrictions no limitations be a people of prayer that's what he calls me to that's what he calls you to that's what he calls the church to and so today i want to encourage you we have have experienced a day of prayer and we've experienced some some very positive things in relationship to that that we not let it just be a day of prayer but we let it be a daily prayer in our life, that every day we are engaged in doing what what God's Word calls us to do, first of all, if we're going to behave properly as a body of believers. So this morning, we're going to offer an invitation to Him. And as always, an invitation is a time for us to, to reflect on our life, to reflect on the Scripture and God's Word and what it teaches us, to ask ourselves the question, is there some change that needs to be made in my life. And we invite you that today would be the day that you would make that change, whatever it is. And if you want to come forward and publicly and share that with the rest of the body and have us pray for you about that change, it's a wonderful thing. If it's a private change that you want to just make where you are this morning and, and as you go home and, and as you enter into your prayer life, that's okay too. But this time is a time for us to reflect on our life and the truths of God's Word and say, what needs to change in my life based off the truth of God's Word today? And so if there's a change in your life that you need to make today and you want to come and share that with us, come as we stand and we sing.